0: what's going on this is louis angel right here with AE Mind and check this out i have a few special guests with us here today uh we have the world memory champ two time now world memory champ and medical student extraordinaire miss kathy molin and alex molin what's going on guys how are you guys doing today doing good hey, louis. yeah hey Lewis. thanks for
1: having
0: us okay. and as someone that was diagnosed with add i know all about having focus and memory issues and I was able to overcome that and become the first memory master champion and I want to teach you how to do the same. Tune in right now to the Smarter Brain Now show and I will show you how to improve your memory and ability to focus as well as learn all about the leading scientific research when it comes to optimizing your brain's full power. Again, follow and subscribe to the Smarter Brain Now show. All right, let's go on with the show. Yeah, thank you guys for Getting okay, on um, for those of you that that saw the previous interview, I interviewed Alex and we focused mainly on the memory side, the memory sports side of of his special what he specializes in. Um, we briefly talked about what he's doing as a student. Uh, so for this interview, we're actually going to focus and dive more into that aspect of of the, of his world, which uh, is you know how to take the memory techniques that he uses to become, you know, and break world records and become champions and also Kathy uses um, as they go on and, and teach students how to improve their memories, we're gonna focus more in that aspect of, of their world. So um, again, thank you guys for, for joining me and uh, we're about to dive right into this. Sounds good, let's do it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you guys are now both in this world, right? Uh, I don't know, <laughs> Kathy, did, did Alex kind of just drag you into this world of memory? Um, Or was it something that you also were like, oh, this is interesting, I wanna learn it on my own?
2: Well, I think um, from the start, I didn't really have a choice. Alex talks about it all the time, but I was definitely (laughs) interested in seeing, You know, we're both in med school and we were both in college and studying really hard. So even as he was starting out, I think we were both kind of interested in seeing how we could use these techniques to improve our studying experience.
0: All right, and and Alex, so, when you got into it, I know that you were reading a book uh, by Joshua Forer, Moonwalking with Einstein. Mm-hmm. And that, was that like their first introduction to this world of, of memory improvement and memory sports? Yeah,
1: pretty much. So I, I you know, when I was a junior in college, I, well, I, I cracked open that book, you know, and that was really what got me into it. Never heard of memory techniques before that. And, you know, initially was interested by, you know, the fact that I could apply the techniques to school, hopefully to, you know, to remember you know, material for exams and things like that better. And after a little bit of time, (laughs) kind of forgot about that and, and went and focused on memory sports and and competing and trying to, you know, memorize cards and numbers and other (laughs) useless things like that. Um, (laughs) But, and then eventually I kind of, you know, turned back and said, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to really apply these techniques to to my school. uh, So hopefully I can, you know, actually use them in an effective way because I had kind of struggled to use them at the beginning. And, you know, that that was something where Kathy and I kind of worked together on that. So, you know, once I kind of came back uh, and at the beginning of medical school started to apply these techniques again, you know, we we sort of worked on it together and said, you know, what can we do uh, to make it work? You know, which which pieces of the techniques aren't working, which ones are. And we kind of experimented and found uh, a method that we both used. You know, obviously, everybody uses memory techniques slightly differently, but the method we use now is pretty similar um, based on kind of sharing things between each other
0: right and that's a great thing to have because uh you know we we have many friends in this world uh memory sports and some just focus solely on competing and going to these memory competitions and just training for that and then we have friends that focus on the education side of this how to really apply this to real world experiences uh and in particular education so that's good that you went out there and you mastered essentially both worlds uh you know and then now you guys can partner up and, and really share those ideas and be like okay how can we really apply this to to learning things faster because at the end of the day I think and, and that's what you know got me into the sport it wasn't because I wanted to go out and, and and memorize a deck of cards in a matter of minutes for you at seconds <laughs> um but it was because I wanted to you know do better in school I was struggling in school so um for me that was my mindset going into this and then also like you I got kind of distracted a little bit because I wanted once I fell in love with the sport I was like I want to like really <laughs> get better at it uh, um and and then now I'm like coming back to to, you know, uh, focusing on learning materials. So uh, for you, Kathy, seeing Alex go through this journey and, you know, seeing him be super committed to, you know, improving his scores in the memory sport world, um, what kind of motivation was that for you um, as a student and, you know, now as a medical student as well?
2: You mean seeing seeing Alex's improvement and his successes in the memory sports? Right. Yeah. Um, Well, I think just on a basic level, you know, in life, I think I because I see Alex train every day, I think it's been very motivational, not just from an academic standpoint, but from a, you know, how I would like to live my life standpoint. Alex is very (laughs) dedicated um, and he's very self-disciplined, which I think is very useful in learning. So that's definitely helped me try to be more, you know conscious about how i choose to work and very disciplined yeah not as good as alex about it but i try
0: (laughs) (laughs) and uh actually before we even dive into how to you know give students the tips and tricks and everything else uh to help them out at school let's go into your guys' story (laughs) because (laughs) you guys are married now uh you guys are you know taking over this world right now and, you know, memory and and education. But you guys actually met at a very young age in school, in uh, preschool, right? Was that like your first introduction to each other where you guys first met?
1: Yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah, we did meet in preschool. (laughs) We went to
1: Willie Price Daycare.
2: That's right. (laughs) In In Oxford, Oxford, Mississippi. Mississippi. Super random.
1: Um, But yeah, so we met Uh, in preschool, but we don't really remember each other from then.
2: He's not the memory Um, champ back then, so. Yeah, more
1: of just like an annoying brat. Uh, (laughs) There's, and so there's this one memory that we have where, or not a memory, we actually have a home video of this to prove it. We don't remember it at all, but, um, (laughs) Kathy's doing some kind of presentation, show-and-tell type thing, um, demonstrating some Taiwanese dances. It's
2: really just um, me, like. Really
1: just Kathy's dances to Taiwanese music. And you can you can see that video and then you can see me sort of sitting off to the side uh, and it's pretty clear that, that I'm losing interest fast and my head's starting to droop and I'm getting pretty bored. And
2: then he fell in love um, and then we were married.
1: Yeah. And then. Right. And then so maybe like, you know, I don't know, 10 years later, we we kind of got to know each other better in high school. And and it was sort of towards the end of high school that we started dating and uh, and eventually got married. This past year, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, wait, did you guys go to the same elementary school as well after preschool? or did, Alex did like to went to
2: a private school in our town. But, you know, our town is very small, so we we yeah. interacted a lot even though we didn't go to the same school. We did karate together.
1: You're right. We And so, eventually, we were both on the swim team, which was our uh, probably biggest... Extracurricular. Extracurricular for, for <laughs> both of us, and, and so that was obviously a a time that we got to spend a lot of time together
2: and we did we did a lot yes. of projects together you know like this Mullen memory project really isn't our first one we
1: yeah we did um we did so all sorts
2: of weird things
1: prior to Mullen memory we did all <laughs> other manner of nerdy projects um <laughs> such as the science fair so we you know we would work at like our you know sophomore and i guess senior year we didn't do anything junior we did we did like a, a group science fair project together um so we've been yeah we've been kind of we doing we did like a, a piano stuff.
2: competition once do you right, red? like a
1: duet piano thing. We did, um, yeah. So art. doing
2: projects together is
1: kind of our right. Thing. It's been your
0: life story, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> doing, yeah, and uh, so then it's not just high school sweethearts. You guys are pretty much just all around it's a young, young couple that stuck together and uh, are now, you know, you have your own project, uh, which is a molding memory. Mm-hmm. So uh, now. Prior to getting the idea to start that up, Molly Memory, so you guys are in university, right? Fast forward several years, you guys are in university. Um, Did both of you go to John
1: Hopkins?
2: No, I went to Princeton.
1: Yeah. So we went to different schools. Luckily, they're like (laughs) sort of close, like maybe a two-hour, three-hour train ride. Um, So we were able to kind of visit each other on on weekends and things like that. I but, we, yeah, so we did go to separate colleges, and then for med school, we, we, we finally got back Purposely, together again yeah. <laughs> uh, at the University of Mississippi. Just <laughs> so where we're
2: from. That's
1: where we are right now in Jackson, Mississippi. Okay, so then
0: you guys are now there. Um, so did the idea of moral memory come about when you guys were in med school already, or were you guys already thinking about that beforehand?
1: I th- think it got started in med school. Yeah, yeah. so like I said, yeah. we, you know, I, I had been... Kind of playing around with the techniques for a while, going back to my junior year of college. Um, but I, I didn't really, I didn't really kind of apply myself in earnest to using the techniques for my studies and for, for school until we were getting ready to go to med school. So after we would kind of graduated already, uh, and I think part of that is because I we were both engineering majors in college, and it's, I mean, it's certainly true that memory techniques are obviously a little more useful for things that are more suitable that are more Um, you know, memorization heavy, um, of which, you know, engineering is is not as much. Um, So when we got back to med school, we said, okay, let's really apply ourselves and and get this stuff together.
2: (laughs) Well, I did try it in junior year one. Yeah, Kathy actually. So I had a class that was much more, uh, you know, these techniques were much more applicable for, which was biochem. Yeah, right. junior year, so that was kind of, you know, you might Alex was starting then, and so I tried it, and it was like an epic failure, because we just didn't have a real <laughs> idea of, you know, what to do, and so I was like, Alex said, you know, I'm doing these techniques, I said, let's try it for my class, and I still remember that palace a little bit, but I think at the time it discouraged us a tad, because we didn't, you know, we didn't really have what we have now, which is like a better idea of how it works. Right, right.
0: and it's a lot of just trial and error. Really, because, um, you know, when you try like, you know, you're trying it out and even, you know, it, it works really well when you're memorizing just set piece of information. Like you said, previously useless data, memorizing cards, you know, you can get your pictures and that's pretty easy to just store on a location. But when you get this mass amount of data and I've looked at some of the courses um, that you guys have to take as medical students and man is it a lot yeah. to learn and memorize Absolutely, <laughs> um, and just to consume? So like, yeah, to, to look at that and, and ask yourself, how can I really take these techniques and apply it to, to learning actual information, um, even as a memory athlete and a, and a very successful memory athlete, that can really um, you know deter you from, from really pushing forward um, in the beginning, right? So when you were, um, so now in medical school, what are some of the techniques that you've used or what are some of the refinements that you've made um to learning the information that that you're uh that you're learning in school with the techniques
1: yeah um you want to take this one
2: yeah so just like a really big one um i think we're better at taking notes on how we do it so in the beginning we weren't sure you know should i be writing down all these images i i take or um should i be not just kind of reviewing it randomly so now we have a very specific way where we take the information that we want to learn and then we um you know as we'll get into later probably convert them into images and now we have a very specific way that we record it um in our notes so that later when we come back it's easier to recapture what we were you know visualizing
1: yeah And, and and my my kind of thinking about this is you know, going back to a little bit of the frustrations that we had starting out, you know, I, one of the first palaces that I made was for our, basically our first biochemistry test. Um, and basically the, the thing that I ran into, first of all, I, I made images for pretty much everything on the test and and that turned out to be a huge mistake. Um, Hmm. and, and so basically the way we do it now is we, we really try to, you know, when we, when we learn the material, we really try to think about it, you know, just just from a conceptual standpoint is as, as well as we can first and then really distill it down into the specific things that are hard to remember, um, mm. you know, or are very important to remember sort of in a listical type fashion. Uh, and then we really just encode those specific things. Um, so that, that was kind of our first big, big realization. Um, because basically what I found was that I would, I would come back a few weeks later and then be like, you know, now that I've got a gotten a little bit better handle on this material and how it works, I'm really not even accessing, you know, let's say two thirds of the images. I'm, you know, that stuff I already sure. know now, um, yeah. it's, it's become pretty much second nature to me. So I felt like my palaces were clogged up with all this information that was sort of intuitive to me at that point. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just kind of going back to that idea of really encoding those things that are hard to remember um, and that will you know, maybe still be hard to remember even two weeks, three weeks down the road.
2: That's almost not even like a memory palace thing too. You know, I think like if you learn about studying, it's asking yourself to really think through the concepts first and really make sure you understand the material. But the memory palace does help us reinforce that behavior.
1: Right. So, I mean, we even think of that as a way to sort of help, you know, the memory palace as a way of helping out our critical thinking, because it kind of forces you to sit down and say, okay, what, what in this material makes sense and doesn't really need a memory technique and and what, you know, doesn't really have any intuition behind it and just needs to be memorized. So that can kind of force you to to think about those differences. Um, yeah. And then the other the other just to round, r- wrap up this one question that I've been going on forever about. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the other the other no, this big, is good man. This is The good. other big kind of you know going back to that initial biochem test. The other thing was that I would come back to the material after like two or three weeks and you know a Lots of images would be kind of useless at that point, like I said. And then B, I would have basically forgotten a lot of it just because I hadn't really reviewed the material. So I'd come back and, you know, I'd remember like, you know, 30, 40 percent of the images and the rest would just be these hazy blobs. Um, And that really was frustrating to me. And and the conclusion there was really that even when you're using memory techniques, you still need to review the material properly um, to make it stick. If you really want to stick long term memory palace or not, you're still going to have to review it. And so that was the second big conclusion that we made. That's that's
0: amazing because it, a lot of people think this when they, you know, come to us um, to learn how to do this. They see us, uh, you know, performing these amazing feats uh, very quickly. And like, oh, you can memorize, you know, for, well, for you specifically, Alex, you can memorize, you know, thousands of digits of numbers and cool, can, you know, how can I apply that in, uh, to school? And You know once i and i go through that once that's it i never have to look at that information again (laughs) at least that's i don't know if you've ever gotten that from some of the students that you teach where like you just kind of they're expecting you to just wave a magic wand and to learn these, you know, learn the memory techniques and just apply that information or apply that to their study once, and that's it. They know that information forever. But that's not necessarily the case, as you just said. You still need to go through the process of reviewing the information. Um, our brain learns best when we can imagine it. Uh, like we'll, we'll go through some examples right now. But it also learn, uh, like, takes that short information from short-term memory to long-term memory when it sees it several times over and over again. Right.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah.
0: So now. So na- now, <laughs> you gave a, a uh, Kathy, you also gave another great point there about, um, Oh, both of you did. So when you're studying the information and you're going through it, especially, let's say, the first time through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you guys are saying not to necessarily apply the techniques right away because I've had those situations, even for myself, when I'm, like, tr- trying to learn something new. Um, I'll try to like figure it out right away with the memory techniques, meaning I'll try to visualize every single little thing that I'm memorizing. But like you said, you try that, uh, and it wasn't as successful as you might've hoped for. Um, so that's another great tip for students out there. It's like, you know, you, you go through the material, you, you try to conceptualize it as best as you possibly can, and then you apply the memory techniques. So is there, um, when you're actually get to the specifics, you guys have some examples right now on how
2: you actually take
0: what you uh what you've done in the memory world and apply it to the studies
2: yeah we have some examples
1: yeah do you want to take the first one or i, yeah. I kind of yeah yeah let me do that so yeah so we um you know we pretty much use the techniques when we're studying anything these days so you know one mm-hmm. one easy example of that is when you're learning anatomy so anatomy is obviously a very uh memorization heavy discipline and unfortunately yeah. unfortunately anatomy was one of those courses that we took right at the beginning Uh, Med school and we hadn't really nailed down the techniques too. Well, so full disclosure This is an example that I just came up with um, Because you know, we don't have any that many great ones from from Anatomy But uh, you know going back to Anatomy if I were to retake it, I definitely would use it Um, So here's a quick one. So, uh, you know in medicine and if you're talking about the Digestive tract, there's basically three sections uh, that people split it into one is called the foregut and then the mid gut and the hind gut. So foregut, mid gut, hind gut. Um, you know, so foregut sort of starting at your, at your mouth and going down your esophagus and not to get into many specifics, but, um, you know, one thing you might want to have to remember is the blood supply and the nervous system innervation for each of those sections. So they, you know, part of the reason they're split up into those categories is because they each have a unique blood supply and innervation. So, you know, let's just go through those real quick. So, um, you know, lo- looking kind of at the at the room behind us, you know, wh- what would happen in the actual memorization process for us is we would see that, you know, information and decide, OK, I want to commit this to memory using memory techniques uh, and then say, you know, in our palace at the time, we might be imagining that we're in this particular room. So let's just use that, I guess, as an illustration. Um, so for each foregut, midgut and hindgut, I would use one locus for each of the those pieces. So maybe the first locus that I choose is the ceiling for foregut. So the ceiling would be my foregut locus. Uh, and then uh, the blood supply to the to the foregut is the celiac artery. So part of the reason why I chose the ceiling is because it sounds sort of like celiac. So I, I can just imagine that because it's the ceiling, I think of celiac artery. Uh, and then the innervation is the vagus nerve, uh, cranial nerve 10. So, you know, for that one, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of vagus nerve is like the the welcome to Las Vegas sign, or is it, yeah. is it Viva Las Vegas or welcome, it's welcome, to, welcome Las to Las Vegas? Welcome to Las Vegas.
2: Yeah, the, you know, the kind Vegas. of
1: like, you know, the famous sort of diamond looking sign. Um, so I imagine that that, you know, that Vegas sign is hanging from the ceiling. So now, you know, in this ceiling locus, I've got ceiling for celiac artery and the Vegas sign for Vegas nerve. Um, so that would be my kind of foregut locus there. Uh, moving to Would you create an image for foregut? Yeah, or so that's a good would you question. you just
0: like n- know that it, okay, this I know that this is for gut, or would it be an actual image?
1: So that that's kind of a subtle thing that we that we deal with often. You know, whether or not you kind of encode the the, the topic. topic. Yeah. Um. And yeah. and, you know, what I might recommend for kind of people starting out is is to do that more. Uh, to to if you have you know kind of a doubt about it, just go ahead and encode the topic as well. Um. So maybe you know for four gut, maybe you imagine like you Forehand. know a number four kind of painted on the ceiling or something like that. Um, basically, what we've found is that when you when you kind of do this process of reviewing a lot, like I mentioned before, you find that the, the your association of the topic to the locations be, becomes very natural. So, you know, once you've, you've reviewed a few times that this particular room houses the foregut, midgut, hindgut material, it, it, it's almost unnecessary to it have that encoded. It feels like that. That's And, and of right. course, there's no perfect way to do it, but that's that's the strategy that we've kind of fallen into is, you know, not really encoding that as, as much. And both of you have
0: found that this, this works, right? It's not like, Oh, Alex, Alex, it works for Alex because he's, he, he memorizes so often you as well. Right, Kathy, like this process, um, if, if, like you just said, it feels like this is a fork, and it feels like this is a mid gut area. Um, right. So you, you do you also not have to um, always encode the the actual topic, Kathy?
2: Yeah, I don't have to. I think when we both started out, one of the things we tried was encoding. But for me, you know, and that's one thing that we like to talk about is Alex is the world memory champion, but I'm just you know the world memory champion's wife, like you know. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't do these techniques competitively, but it definitely works for me. And just the other day, we were in our hometown. And we, you know, sprinkled these palaces all over our hometown where we grew up and we were just driving around. And we were like, oh, my gosh, like it just feels like cardiac stuff here. You know, you kind of have that sense. Mm. And one thing we even thought was pretty funny was we've been walking around in these places in our minds so much that it almost feels like we've been there recently. You know?
1: Yeah. So it's such I, a know,
2: weird feeling. I, I
1: mentioned before. It is. <laughs> that we, we recently went to Baltimore, which is where I went to college at Johns Hopkins. And it was weird because I, I haven't been there in, in almost three years now, but I would go back to some of these places on my, my, you know, home campus and, and feel like I was just there because I had been, you know, using it for, for so actively things, using which is, it, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. That is weird.
0: i memorized, um, the Avengers movie, or like scenes from the Avengers. I use that as a memory palace. And, and I use that, uh, where did I use that? The world memory competition for cards. Uh, so I was training for that heavily that like that route specifically. And then uh, I just saw a poster of the Avengers uh, somewhere. I don't know where, but I saw the poster, and then it just triggered. Like the entire movie just kind of flashed in my mind. I was like, oh, "This <laughs> insane."
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: But that's so true. Like, if if, if and if it triggered like memories from the world. It feels like,
2: and, like it. Yeah.
0: That. Exactly, um, because we we use it like so often and so much, right? Mm. Um. So now, okay. So uh, let me backtrack a little bit. Um. So you're creating. Uh, let's let's um go into like creating these locations or palaces mm-hmm. um, because I think that's very critical for uh, for everyone really. Uh, for, for us as memory, memory athletes, we have to create a lot when we have to uh, when we when we train for these competitions because you know we we can't just use one palace or one location set uh, to memorize you know ten decks of cards. Um, we need to create a lot more than that. So it, it makes sense for us as memory athletes to create more locations. But for students. That's where I think um, a lot of them get discouraged because, like, oh, do I do I have to have a thousand locations or these memory palaces to memorize? You know, say just my body uh, or my an anatomic an an how do you say? It? No, Anatom- anatomical, anatomical structure structures. Yeah, Anatom- <laughs> okay, anatomical structure. Do I have to have all these palaces? Um, so, what would you guys answer to a question like that? You know, do I really have to spend hours and hours? creating these locations, or can I just settle on, you know, one set location and then reuse those locations? What would you guys uh, say to that?
2: So we, if it's something that we want to commit long-term, we generally do not reuse locations. And that's just because kind of back to the concept we were talking about, we want that place to re- retain that feeling, you know, those, those concepts that we wanted to memorize. So we don't overwrite um, in response to, you know, oh, do I have to sit down and think of hundreds and thousands of palaces. um, We usually say it's easier than you think it is um, because there's just so many places, right? Like that, that you've been, and you know, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, actually accurate. You just have to be able to think of it and think of the same loci every time. Um,
1: So, And, And quickly going back to some of the like, you know, big quote unquote discoveries that we made about how to use the techniques. One of the big things that we do is we, we 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 have a sort of a brainstormed list of palaces that we might want to use so you know we've gone back you know some time ago and said like okay you know my my home in oxford my home in jackson my you know movie theater libraries whatever and just kind of listed those out but we don't really actually think of the loci within those palaces so you know we don't we don't like for for memory sports competitions and things i know every single locus in every palace and i built it that way specifically because that's how i want to use it in the competitions but for a learning purpose, you know, maybe if I'm learning pathology, um, I'll just pull up that, that brainstorm list and say, okay, I'm going to use my, my neighborhood right here for, for this first you know block of pathology and then I'll start somewhere and I'll just choose the loci in the moment as I'm learning the material based on, based on what I think is worth knowing in that area. So like, you know, maybe I'm talking about, you know, acute inflammation and there's like, you know, five main components of acute information. So I'll use the house across the street and I'll do kind of one thing in each of the rooms of that house. Um and, uh, and so we don't, we don't like, there's no like, you know, palace building phase where we think of thousands of loci ahead of time, mm-hmm. you know, we just do it as we, gotcha. as we go through the material.
2: I think that's also useful because it lends kind of a natural flow to it. If I'm just kind of mentally popping myself down, you know, on our town main street, and I'm learning about cardiology, everything kind of flows from there as I'm walking down. It also goes with the way I'm kind of learning it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's also geographically well, that- located in my mind.
1: Yeah. Got it. it's helpful okay. so
2: it's not like yeah
1: sorry it, it's helpful just one last point it's helpful for for organization a lot you know because we can and this is part of the one of, this is one of the reasons we we like to use palaces rather than just images you know just links um, is that we can use the palace to our advantage to organize the material so you know what I just said about you know using the for gut and hindgut gut in this room, if we want to, you know, in the future, if we want to encode any kind of information about those things, then we can always come back Return. to this specific room and think, okay, this room has got all the info we want to know about it. Um, and, and, you know, in that way, we can we can make sure that the material is organized in a nice, tidy way. Uh, so then at that point,
0: will you guys, because you said earlier that you don't, like, reuse locations, <laughs> but would that be kind of the exception when you want to add on to the material already in that in that say palace or in that room yeah
2: yeah we you know i would i wouldn't go back to the same locus per se but i would find something else in there and add it in or maybe have it interact with an image i already have existing but but not you know overriding it
1: right exactly so like if we were using the ceiling here for foregut and then maybe there was another piece of info we wanted to add we might come down and just use the window right here as another locus kind of in association with foregut
2: and it's actually pretty easy because, you know, it's like you can have multiple memories of things happening in your living room. And it's not like it overrides it, you know, you I mean you can still remember it.
0: So, okay, uh, let me let me kind of counter that a little bit um, from my own experiences. Meaning, like, I, I, I use, I reuse these locations for, like, when I'm learning, you know, certain information. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think when I was memorizing the presidents, I reused a specific set of locations, and then I actually applied uh, the periodic table of elements to that same route. So for me, I was able to distinguish the two because I knew, like, I don't know, I could kind of link them together. Like I knew if I saw a washing machine, right, I knew that that it wasn't going to be hydrogen for my first app for the first element. Meaning I wasn't going to confuse the elements and the presidents. Have you guys had any? Have you guys actually like attempted to store multiple sets of? Different topics on, say, let's say right here. This is we'll we'll stick with this example, the mid cut and all mm-hmm. that. Um, the w- have you guys already attempted to store different things along, say, this specific route or a, a, a route that you guys already used for a different piece of information, and then store something else? And then what were, what was the outcome for that? Did you guys get say interference between the stories?
1: You know, I, I guess I'll take this one. So my my this is something that is something that we adopted relatively early on just based on kind of my personal experience in memory competitions. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think, you know, I can't remember any specific examples of really experimenting heavily with it, but my sort of yeah. initial feeling based on, you know, my competition experience is just that if you want something to kind of stand on its own and really develop a feeling, like I said, of you know, like this place being the kind of foregut area, my, my feeling was that I wouldn't want to overwrite palaces. Um, And and that's not it's certainly not to say that, like, you know, like you said, obviously, it can still work. We're not saying that it it would never work if you overwrite palaces. But our our thinking was that, okay, well, if we feel like we aren't going to run out of palaces and we're still going to have enough space, then why not? not? You know, why not not overwrite things?
2: And the other thing. Oh, sorry. Were you done? No, go ahead. I mean, the other two things was. (laughs) Um, people say med school is like drinking out of a fire hydrant, right? It's just like so (laughs) much stuff all the time. And so it's just, it was definitely, I think probably easier for us to just kind of go fresh, you know? And then the other thing is because we intend to use this information kind of in real time in the future, we, it's helpful for us, especially when we're taking tests and hopefully when we're seeing patients to be able to scan through. Um, And I think that would be easier for us to, you know, say we have a patient with these symptoms, perhaps we can scan through more more easily and, and see what everything that's there without trying to juggle that kind of, you know, double images. Right.
0: That made, yeah that makes perfect sense and that's probably why i'm not in medical school right now because <laughs> i i would probably just start stacking things on top of each other and then and then and then when i need to like actually retrieve it i'm like wait i have like 10 things on this one location which one was <laughs> um, right but uh but that's yeah, that's a that's a good tip yeah i did it just because i wanted just for fun to learn these things mm. right um, right so you of know it, course, yeah. it wasn't like oh i was gonna be quizzed on it or whatnot um but but uh, cool, uh, you know, good good uh, good tips there. So if I could add one we more have thing. The, so we have the... Real quick, just, yeah. just to wrap <laughs> it
1: up, just to, just to kind of support what you were saying, one one actually thing that I do do is, uh, you know, I, I also use a lot of the same palaces to learn Chinese. Um, and so that was kind of a mistake of mine early on, or, is that I, I made these very kind of large locations to learn various uh, Chinese tones and things. And so... Because those were so large, I ended up overlapping a lot of the medical stuff I was learning onto those same palaces, and and I actually have found that it's usually not too big a problem of those palaces interfering, even though they're in the same place. Um, mm-hmm. And I think part of that is is kind of going back to what you said, which is just when when you're kind of in the you know let's say the Chinese mode, the, the Chinese images just seem to kind of come to you, and the medical ones sort of fade away. You know what I mean? They're
2: different enough. Um,
1: right. And then another my, another one of my kind of my theories about that is that. For the Chinese ones, you know, a lot of those images are on loci that are, I've just sort of developed a slightly different way of seeing them. So when I, you know, I saw, say, like this fountain for medicine, I'm using like a particular angle, a particular feeling associated with that fountain. And maybe, you know, I was using a slightly different angle, looking at it from the other side for Chinese or something. And so the the difference between those two is enough that there's not really much interference, if that makes sense. Mm.
0: Um, Yeah, no, it perfectly does. Yeah, so, okay, that's a. It's so another thing. Uh, I know we're kind of deviating a little bit from what we wanted to get into, but I, I, I mean, these are questions that people always ask. Absolutely. You know? yeah. So, uh, uh, well, let me. I have one more along this line of what you just said, um, which it's perfectly fine to kind of see locations from different angles. Because that was one of my biggest hiccups when I was first starting off. Even just like memorizing cards, right? I would I would memorize a card on a location. Let's say it was the chair. You know, the chair I'm sitting on. And I would say, store it up on top of here, and then when I, you know, finish uh, 52 cards, I would come back to this one to try to recall it, and I would be looking, say, at the armrest, instead of, like, looking here when I was retrieving Mm. it, I was like, I have no clue what I stored on there, right? Did I even store anything on there? But it was just because I I was seeing that location from a different angle, right? Um, So... I I didn't know that like when you're recalling make sure like to see it from the same angle that you memorize it in Have you guys encountered anything like that? Well, you you just given a perfect example or any other examples where you're like um, When you're like recalling information, like, does the viewing of the the way you see the location? Does that affect the recall at all for you?
2: Well as a like non-professional competitor yeah. <laughs> in this conversation yeah. You know, I think Alex does a lot of things where um, he will put them kind of small, not to scale. Does that make sense? Kind of like Mm -hmm. what you said, right, on top of the the, the chair. So everything I do is more, I guess, more to scale. And so I don't think I really have that problem. But maybe I have, Mm -hmm. and I just don't, I can't think of it. But, you know, I I rarely put things on, like a tiny little person, just on an armrest, right? right. Because it's just easier for me to kind of, uh, to... Create it so that it's more something like a memory of mine and not some sort of like mm-hmm. weird little thing. But but I know Alex does it differently. But for me, as a non-competitive person, that's kind of the trick that I found that helps.
0: Yeah. Mine's- so you use the entire place. Yeah,
2: if I'm using Kathy the desk, that. I'm not going to like just
1: <laughs> put it at the corner. corner.
2: <laughs> you know, I'm going to have an elephant like right here at the desk. <laughs> so it's yeah. a little easier.
1: Yeah. You know, my experience is actually – for, for medicine is quite similar to Kathy's I think where uh, because I'm not using places that I that I use over and over again like in memory sports uh, I usually just tend to pick kind of bigger objects and not really focus on small things um, and so things tend to be more to scale and and I and I have that problem less uh, but it, it, for memory sports specifically like like you just said th- that's a huge problem for me is or or not not a huge problem anymore but it used to be um, yeah. Because, and and so my conclusion was that basically every time I see a locus, I always see it from the exact same angle. Um, And, and, you know, that's just something that's sort of developed, um, you know, throughout my, you know, experiences. Yeah, practice is just, I I, I just, I have to see those same loci from the same place, same angle. Um, and, And that is, that is the case for those got it
0: cool all right so uh, let's move on now that we you know covered locations and people at home or listening from wherever they're at um, <laughs> they you know here's the thing I think the biggest takeaway is like be okay with creating these locations because that's you know what what the top people are doing right now um you know the the Mullen family is doing they're creating these locations to store the information so be okay with creating the location and don't get overwhelmed with the with the idea that you have to have thousands of locations right from the get-go before you can get started with learning information you can start just by thinking of your home right now exactly. and then place information along that route just like what we're about to go into uh uh, during the next few examples. So kind of, yeah, I think that, that eases, um, some concerns there for, for viewers and listeners at home. Right. Uh, what you guys just answered. So now, uh, you're, I have what you actually going to cover. Uh, you sent me the sheet. So we have the foregut, we covered that, that was on the ceiling. Uh, what would be the next thing that you,
1: right? Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll try to run through again. these a little more quickly. Uh, hopefully. So, you know, maybe you know, when, I, when I'm thinking of the palace, I I don't really I, don't, I never look at pictures or like go to the actual palace. Right. So in my mind, I just use the first thing that comes to mind. Maybe it's like the stairs, you know, down sort of there. I don't know if you can see them right there. So, you know, that's let's make that the mid gut, for instance. So the I'm going to go ahead and imagine Lionel Messi uh, standing there on top. You know, maybe it's kind of a more miniature version of him standing on those steps, holding up a Vegas, one of those same Vegas signs above his head, like kind of in a victorious way. Uh, and so now I'll explain what those are for. So, so the, so that's the mid gut and then the blood supply to that is the superior mesenteric artery. Um, and so Messi, uh, you know, Lionel Messi, world famous soccer player is kind of re- representing that superior mesenteric, messy mesenteric, and then he's kind of looking victorious. So that's kind of how I encoded the superior parts. Um, and you'll see that's important because the next thing for the, for the hind gut is the inferior mesenteric. So, um, so he's holding up kind of the victoriously you got messy for mesenteric holding up this vagus sign and that's because the vagus also does the nervous system the innervation to the midgut. So he's you know got that vagus sign, mesen, superior mesenteric vagus. Uh, and then maybe the next place is the kind of couch or I'll just use over here. You know maybe we're doing the that painting there, maybe that's in my memory palace. Uh, and in hindgut it's inferior mesenteric for the artery uh, and pelvic nerve for the nerve. So, you know again I'm going to use some sort of messy type image for the mesenteric. So maybe now we have messy on that, on that counter there. And he's just sort of slumped on the ground feeling like
2: maybe he's injured
1: or something like that, uh, in a game and he, he's feeling very inferior. So it's inferior mesenteric. Um, and then, uh, the innervation is the pelvic nerve. So pelvic, I just think of Elvis. This is the first comes to my thing comes to mind. So maybe pelvic thrust. <laughs> So maybe, uh, you got Elvis sort of bending over Messi, you know, seeing what's wrong with him, maybe trying to help. Um, uh, so you just got that, you know, all these images, you know, you can remember the Vegas sign, you know, ceiling for celiac, you got victorious Messi with the Vegas sign and you've got Elvis and Messi over here. Uh, and that would just be some quick cues to, to key you into the, the different blood supplies and innervations.
0: So here's a question that I often get. Yeah. Um, when you're reviewing the information right so you're seeing the stories you're seeing alvis bending over trying to help out Messi. you have no many times especially like during the first like review you might get one or two like real triggers meaning you'll get one or two like translations for what that visual represents but sometimes you're like i have absolutely no idea what alvis was doing or what Alvis represented does that ever happen to you guys where you're like seeing these images when you're reviewing and you're like what did that even like why did I picture that person or doing that action does that ever happen to you guys sometimes yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. um (laughs) and and the way I usually handle that is if it's something that I that I think is not immediately obvious to me why that image is what it is uh in my note of that mnemonic uh so like how they said we have you know this way of taking notes I'll write like you know Elvis and then I'll write equals pelvic nerve you know, and so that way, if there's any confusion, if I think there might be any confusion about what it represents, I, I'll i have that note there. and I can always go back and see what it was. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Uh, so you guys take extensive notes on all of this. It's not just like you're you're storing it on the location and then you walk away and that's it. Like you, you actually go back and you do um, your note taking uh, on top of like creating these visuals, right?
2: Yeah, it's like you said earlier, right? It's um, it's kind of misleading if you just think about it as like, oh, I put it in there and now I don't ever have to, you know, review it again, right? So that's one of the things yeah. is we do take notes on it, that way we can um, consistently review it in the same way that we mm-hmm. we encoded it so that it just, you know, we're not kind of imagining something different every time and then it's all messy messy
0: (laughs) (laughs) pun intended yeah (laughs) no um cool And, and so okay here's another one um reusing characters or like images that you've already used um for for other terms so if you have is there anything else that um that you would use messy for or like and we'll stick with that example just cuz we used it twice already. So, if you ever see like messy again, will that always represent something that has to do with the gut or will you use messy like that that player for a, something completely separate and different if you see that term somewhere else?
2: Um so we try to keep it consistent so that if we saw messy again, mm-hmm. it would be something to do with the mesenteric arteries. Um and that's yeah. actually part of what Alex was talking about in terms of organization because that does allow us to kind of quickly scan through and say, you know, where, I've seen, where have I seen Messi before? Um, and then you just start having this sense, right, the sense that we were talking about earlier for when you see that image, what it means, all the things associated with it. It's one thing I say is like, you know, if I asked you to think about all the pizza places in your hometown, you can easily think of, you know, where all the pizza was and everything that kind of is associated with those restaurants. And so, when we keep those images consistent it kind of allows us to do that quick scanning and quick thinking
1: yeah and and so just to add on to that we you know we we try to keep those images consistent for sure the one thing we might do like is we try not to reuse the images so like if if something else comes up that sort of sounds like messy i will do my best to not make it messy again just because you know, it, it can sometimes get confusing if you've got a bunch of messies running around that are doing different things. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so, but what I will say is that, like, if maybe, you know, if, if let's say, the inferior mesenteric vein comes up, um, you know, mesenteric veins, obviously, are a little different than the arteries. Uh, what I might do just to kind of uh, come up with an image for that easily is use some sort of category. And so maybe I'll imagine, like, a different Argentinian soccer player for the veins, right? So, mm. you know, it'll be... Uh, so, you know, every time I think Messi, it'll be just mm-hmm. for the art, mes- mesenteric arteries, and then maybe there's this, you know, maybe it's the Argentine goalkeeper. And, and I, I have no idea who that is, but just kind of the general notion that it's that goalkeeper, or somebody else will cue mm-hmm. me into it being the mesenteric veins instead of the arteries.
2: Because it does feel related that way.
1: Right.
0: Right. Because then at that point, you're seeing a soccer player- Right. And you're like, wait, okay, well, that was messy but that was an artery oh this one must be the vein right yeah um and it would trigger that so that's, that's a good tip right there um it's kind of like familiar, uh, similar to um when i memorize names uh when we memorize names and faces so for me like for every owl like a owl i picture the bird an owl right and Alex I'll picture like an owl flexing mm-hmm. so maybe I like change it up a little bit and Albert is like an owl but his body is a burrito So it's mm. just like the top of the head, yeah. of the head of the right <laughs> so it's like I'll use something similar which is an owl but then I'll like morph it into something else for you you morphed it into like a, another soccer player right so it's still messy in a way but it's just you know a, a soccer player yeah. yeah that can trigger that response Cool. That's good. Good tip there. Um, cool. So then um, we have the, the, oh, that was the obvious, uh, well, we did the obvious one at the end. Um, it, we, you gave me some examples of pharmacology. Is that how you say pharmacology? Yeah. yeah. Is that, pharmacology. You just put farm here. So yeah. just drugs um, basically. <laughs> just drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get a lot of questions about that actually. Like people are always asking like, how do you memorize drugs and, you know, their effects, what they do? Um, you know, the type of dosage, all that kind of stuff. Like what specific tips and uh, techniques do you guys use to, to help you remember that information?
1: Well, you came up with that one. So you may do this one too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, the, the basic idea obviously is, is the same as what we've been talking about. Um, and and so, you know, to, to, to kind of continue on this kind of organizational point, you know, eat. Oftentimes when we're doing pharmacology, each like room or area of the palace will be devoted to one type of drug. Um, So let's say, you know, let's say I'm doing penicillins. So penicillins is a pretty big category, but um, let's say I'm using this uh, this room right here for some of the broader spectrum penicillins. Um, So those would be like ampicillin and amoxicillin. Okay. So there are these two penicillin drugs, ampicillin and amoxicillin that have similar, they're used to treat similar things. So that's why I'm grouping them together. Um, so this room is is for those two. And then let's just say, you know, I wanted to remember the, uh, the way that you take them. So one, one kind of important thing is that amoxicillin is taken, uh, orally. So in your mouth, um, versus ampicillin, not as much. Uh, so, you know, that's obviously kind of an unintuitive fact, you know, that's something that would be helpful. You know, you might be good to use memory techniques for, right? So, one easy way we might do that, you know, as a kind of alternative example, is that uh, amoxicillin has an O kind of close to the beginning of it. So amoxicillin versus ampicillin. Uh, and you might just imagine that that O is a mouth. An open right? mouth. Right. So that, that, this, is the, this is what Kathy mm-hmm. suggested to me. This is how she did it. Um, so that's an easy way that it doesn't even really the word use just images. It
2: visually looks like it's an open mouth. Right. right. So
1: that, that's a quick way to do it. And that's, that's something that we might do. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be this kind of palace plus image thing. Um, mm-hmm. The way okay. I did it though was on one of the loci in this room. Let's say you know again, pretend this room is is those two drugs. I imagine myself on the locust, just sort of sitting there eating um, like shells, like ammo, right? So I just imagine uh, ammo yeah, shells, yeah, yeah, ammo shells. You know, like you know, gun, gun shells. Um, and I just imagine myself eating those, and that cues me into that ammo. Amoxicillin is the the oral drug. Um, so that's a quick example there. It, let's say we wanted to learn the side effects of those two drugs. So there's three big big ones. Um, Hypersensitivity reactions, uh, which you know, just kind of like an allergic reaction. A lot of obviously, a lot of people are allergic to penicillin, penicillin so that's a pretty yeah. pretty intuitive one. Um, mm-hmm. Another one is rash, so it's also kind of a similar thing. And uh, the last one is pseudomembranous colitis, which basically means like in your large intestine, you know, the drug can kind of damage some bacteria, and you'll get this damage to your enterocytes in there, which will cause this membrane to form in your in your colon in your large intestine. Um, so, you know, so hypersensitivity reactions, rash, and pseudomembranous colitis. So I would pick maybe one locus to do those side effects in this room. So let's say that I'm using this computer here. Um, hypersensitivity reactions, the first thing I thought of was Trump, because he's hypersensitive to everything. Um, so maybe I'm imagine Trump sort of sitting here working on my computer, and maybe imagine he's got his shirt off and there's a big rash on his back. And then... Okay. Uh, for pseudo- he is a little orangey, so. <laughs> That's yeah, true, too. He, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And so for the for the other one, pseudomembranous colitis, it kind of looks like a, it's just this, like, kind of mass of this sheath of cells. And so I, I always use my image is a paper, not a paper bag, a plastic bag, um, just because it looks kind of similar. So and this kind of gets back to a point, which is I don't always, you know encode it in a way that it sounds. It could just be the way that the thing looks, right? So pseudomembranous colitis kind of looks like a this plastic bag. So I imagine a big plastic bag just like pulled over Donald Trump's head. So we've got Donald Trump at this computer. He's got a rash in his back and a bag over his head. So, you know, that's hypersensitivity reactions, rash and pseudomembranous colitis. So, those, you know, th- that's the basic way that I would encode information for those two drugs. And then if there were other information, you know, the mechanism of the drug, I would just kind of keep moving around the room, choosing loci as I as I see fit.
0: Well, it's great, great examples, great visuals. That's uh, another thing you pointed out right there. It's like it doesn't always have to necessarily always have, like, a direct translation. Like, say the word benevolent. For me, I would picture a bone and an envelope just because ban, bone, right? and envelope. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, um, yeah, hypersensitivity. You just picture Trump. That doesn't have a direct relation to the word. Um, but it's like w- a lot of times when you're looking at these, what I like to do is just ask myself, what does it remind me of, Right. Um, so it, it, it doesn't always have to be just the bone and the envelope for benevolent. It could be, like you said, um, something more ambiguous, something more abstract, such as a, a Trump. And then for you, um, like what you guys said earlier, if you guys see that and you see Trump there and you're having a tough time coming, coming, uh, like remembering what that was, you'll refer back to your notes at that point. Right. Or you'll make some extra notes to tell you like, Hey, whenever I see this Trump, that means hypersensitivity. Is that kind of how exactly. You know, the yeah. Works? yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, all right. Do we have uh, some more examples? For, uh, yeah, one?
2: let's take a look. Yeah. Why don't we do this one so we can show that? doesn't yeah. You know, anything you want. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good
1: one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next one we're going to do is like a biochemistry example. Um,
2: biochemistry is like really great for memory techniques, I think. Uh, yeah, because
1: it's it's very, you know, most of the things don't really make sense. It. Right? It's just like stuff you got to know. Um, and so the example we're going to do is basically the the necessary um, elements or specifically amino acids that you need to make purines. So purine is a type of um, nucleic acid, like in DNA, and you need certain amino acids to you know to be part of those that uh, that you know.
2: So like the ingredients, the, you know.
1: Anabolism, right? Yeah, the ingredients exactly. So there's a list basically of important ones that you need, and as far as we can tell, right, there's no like intuitive way to to understand why these specific ones are there, it's just a list that you gotta know and they'll ask you about it, you know? So this is ripe for memory techniques, right? Um, yeah. So why don't you take the first the first step?
2: Yeah, so there's four, aspartate, glycine, glutamine, and THF, which is tetrahydrofolate. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I saw these, you know, like like you guys have been saying, like I kinda just wanna think of the first thing I think of the thing that I, I feel like it is, you know, it reminds me of. So aspartate yeah. reminded me of asphalt, kinda has a lot of the same letters. So mm-hmm. what I did was I honestly, I just used an imaginary house. I was kind of walking down this street in our hometown. And I, I know there's a townhouse. I've obviously never been in this stranger's house. But that's like another thing is, you know, I wasn't running out of palaces, but I could just create a palace in my mind. It doesn't have to be a place I've really been. And so what I did was I went through this house, this fake house that I created in my mind, and I put asphalt in for aspartate. And for glycine, I thought of ice, glycine, icing, Um, glutamine, I thought of glutes. So like doing a really mean squat to work on your mean (laughs) glutes. Glutamine and tetrahydrofolate. So that's kind of we get a lot of folates in biochem when we were memorizing them And so I've always thought of folate as a foal like, you know, a baby horse And so for tetrahydrofolate like we kind of modify the messy I just thought of like four horses attached to a carriage Tetra tetrahydrofolate So these are just the ones that like, you know, immediately popped to my mind or in the case of tetrahydrofolate I was kind of modifying a category a pre-existing category
0: yeah. I see. Now, I, would you picture all of that, like in that imaginary house, like all on one spot? Yeah, um, um, like all linked together?
2: Yeah. So, the way I did it, I, I like to space my stuff out a little bit more. And so, because this is an imaginary house, I could cr- pretty much create it exactly the way <laughs> I wanted to. So, I just imagined yeah. this was a townhouse. So, on the front door, I imagined a bunch of asphalt just kind of like covering the door so I couldn't get in. And then the front living room is just full of large ice blocks. And then in the bathroom, because I mean this is my fake house that I'm making, right? There's in the bathroom <laughs> it's just someone doing squat glutes, glutamine squats for mm. a mean glute. And then in the in the kitchen in the back, I just imagine this huge carriage with four horses in them. And right. so, you know, cause it was my fake so house. Essentially
1: like one image per locus. One image per know.
2: locus. But it was my fake house, right? And then it kind of feels like very connected and melded together.
1: Yeah, yeah and and uh just to take that on, we thought it could be interesting, you know, to show my images versus Kathy's images and, and show kind of how they were different. Uh, you know, hopefully that could be helpful to people. Um, so for these same four, I think all, so all of my images are different, um, for, for all of them. Uh, and so just to start out, I, um, the palace that I was using at this time was this place, just, just outside this old building on the old Miss campus that we used to, we both used to work in. Um, which happens to be a pharmacy building. Um, and so there are these big long steps. And so I imagined basically a, a shuffleboard kind of little piece, you know, gliding right down those steps. And then basically there's someone at the top using a glue, uh, using like Elmer's glue to try to like get it to come back up, like to pull it up with this big stream of glue. Um, so those represent, you know the shuffleboard and it's gliding represents the glycine. Uh, and then the glue represents glutamine. Um, so that these are obviously different images from different images from Kathy's, um, and then those are two images that I put on that locus. And then I'll move kind of down those steps, and there's this parking lot nearby. And so for there, I just imagine Bart Simpson hitting a ball. So there's Bart Simpson for aspartate. Uh, and then the T ball kind of reminds me of THF, um, and and I use unlike Kathy, I use baseball bats for uh, for anything to do with folate. And so the T ball kind of reminds me that it's T H folate, so tetrahydrofolate. Um, so I've got the you know those the glue and the and the gliding shuffleboard, and then aspartate Bart hitting the T ball THF.
0: Got it. All right. So it's okay. You know, this is two two great methods of, of you. You can just space it out, put one image or one association per location, or you can combine them and create like a nice little story with two. Or do you ever put more than two? Like, I'm pretty sure you can possibly like create this this uh one story along that, that railing or the, the stairs where you have all four of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just like linking back to back to, uh, to each other. So, I mean, it's okay to use both. At the end of the day, I think for people, it's like test it out, right? Test out what method works for you. If you're like... If you're having a hard time with seeing, like, let's say you store four things in one spot, in one in one locus, and you're like, man, I, I, I'm I just having a hard time recalling, say, the third thing or the second thing, then space it out. Do what Kathy does. She spaces it out and puts one on each location. Um, it doesn't have to all, we, we don't all have to use the same exact method, um, but at the end of the day, it's just all about using your creativity mm-hmm. uh, to come up with these associations and then the actual method on how to do it, just play with it on your own and see what works best for you. Because I, I get a lot of people asking me, so what do you do specifically for this one right. thing? I'm like, well, this is what I, so do I have to do it that way? I'm like, you know, test it out. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, change it up. See what works for you, what works best for you. Um, so yeah, everybody has their own, their own little, you know, side methods of, of doing things. That's exactly. so good. I like I like the fact that you guys gave me an example. And not only that, but the images, the images were, like pretty much completely different. Yeah, right? they were. Um, the images were different, the locations were different. So um, it, it's what you think of when you're looking at that piece of information um, and when you're reciting. Now, with that being said, um, do you guys, right, uh, right now, do you guys take classes together, like the same, cl- same type of
2: classes? Well, uh, we're not in class right now, but when we do, we're all, every you know, every person in our, you know, 140 of us are all in the same class, yeah.
1: Yeah, so we are, so, just to be clear, we are um, we finished our second year last year, and we're actually taking a year off from school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so we're not in class right now. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So when you guys were, uh, during your second year, um, when you guys were taking the same classes, did you guys ever, like, sit down and, like, actually come up with the same associations for the information that you're learning? Or did you guys separately say, okay, I'm going to focus on this subject, and I'm going to cover it, use my locations and my uh, stories, and then we kind of come together. What was your process there when you guys were taking the same classes?
2: Uh, we mostly worked individually, I think, because as the last example showed, the things that really pop in your mind, can, can pop up can vary, right? Alex will have people who do sports and stuff, and I, I don't, because I just can't, you know. <laughs> it's just harder for me. I see. Um, so, we mostly worked individually, but I will say, if we got stumped, I, there was never any hesitation for me to say, well, what image did you use, you know?
1: Yeah. So. We- we often, I mean, exactly what she said, we often, but we often did this thing where we would, cause often the hardest part of doing this is, is thinking of that image for the, for the association, you know, like for Bart Simpson, Aspartate or whatever. Um, so what, what I might do is just be sitting here and be like, ah, uh, I'm having some trouble with, you know, an image for methimazole, let's say, which is just some, you know, a drug. Um, and then Kathy was like, oh, I used a, a Thin Mint for that. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, Thin Mint, that's pretty good, the methimazole Thin Mint. Um so we would often just kind of ask each other image images like that.
0: Got it. Okay. So mainly worked individually but whenever you guys were stumped you guys would refer back to each other. Yeah. That's cool. Who, who who had the best ideas usually? <laughs> you guys would ask each other. Uh, who would ask who more? Was it Alex? I'm pretty
1: sure it was Alex. I, Alex I asked Kathy him. a lot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as good as you think I might be at coming up with images, um, I am often asking kind of Kathy like, for help. <laughs> yeah, for for good images. She she has she has good ones. Like Thin Mint with Imazol. That's a pretty yeah. slick one. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: You're the go-to, huh?
2: <laughs> well, you know. Cool. Well, On that note, like one thing I really struggled with because, you know, Alex and you guys have been doing this for a long time um, and you are trained to do it kind of quickly, like in this element of time, you know, Um, for me, like when I first started, I was really, really specific about how I wanted it to sound and I wanted it to be kind of perfect like you know at the beginning aspart aspartate right or glycine i would never just use ice for glycine i would be like oh that's too that's too far removed I, i can't i can't do that and i would it would take me a really long time to encode anything because i would just have to make it perfect and but now i'm much more comfortable just saying this is what i think of i'm okay with it i'll review it and i'll get it yeah exactly
1: the tendency for a lot of people starting out can be like you know, let's say I'm learning methimazole, right. They might imagine like, okay, meth, him, like, so you've got like some sort of guy doing meth and then he's using some sort of like, and you imagine like his soul leaving his body or something. It's like for methimazole, you know, like you put all of these things together and, and that's not really what we do anymore. You know, that was kind of another thing we started to do was just, Mm -hmm. we, we found that, you know, after a couple of reviews, you know, like we've been saying those associations stick pretty well and, and you, you don't really need to kind of have that perfect audio connection, you know. You it becomes very quick to associate, let's say, Trump with hypersensitivity reaction, you know. So you don't need to have like a exactly. really complicated image, just sort of just to cue that. In. Just it's just about getting some sort of cue, some sort of simple visual cue.
2: Yeah,
1: quicker.
0: It's the same as when we're like trying to memorize lyrics to songs, right? <laughs> um, or we're like, or we're, when we hear a song on repeat on the radio, um, and we might know the full lyrics, but if right, like while it's playing, but if I ask you right now, hey, can you start from like the middle section of that Taylor Swift song? I don't know any of your songs. Yeah, i okay. us say you know, Taylor Swift song. You, you'll probably be like, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know where to start. But if you hear the like one or two words, boom, like that entire chorus section. Exactly. That's a that's a right.
1: perfect example. Q-Q-N, yeah, same kind of yeah.
0: thing. Cool. So it's all about the review because that's you know radio stations they. They're pros at this. They have us forcefully review these songs over and over again in a space period of time, right? So it's not like they play the song and then right away they play it, you know, back to back to back. But they play the song and then an hour two hours from now, they'll play the song again. So um, let me ask you about that. So when you're reviewing, what's your process with reviewing? How often and um, like how how often do you space it out? when you're like, okay, I have to go back and review all the gut information that i (laughs) memorized, all the, you know, pharmacology information, you know, how often do you guys review?
2: Do you wanna, that's kind of your thing. Uh, Is it?
1: I don't Uh, know. (laughs) Okay, so we we actually do something very uh, particular for reviewing, um, and that is that we use a program, like a software called Anki, um, to basically take all of our notes. So it's essentially like a flashcard program where, you know, you know, you'll write like some sort of question on the front and the answer on the back. Right. And the way this program works is it's what's called a space repetition program. So it uses an algorithm to basically give the card back to you to review it uh, at certain points in time. So like and, and it's called spaced repetition because the time that you review it will space out more and more in time because theoretically you've gotten to know the information better. Right. So if I learn, you know, the hypersensitivity, rash and pseudomembranous colitis for those two drugs maybe, maybe Anki will give that card back to me, say on day two, right. Or day four. Uh, And then, so I'll do it then. And assuming I got it right then, then it'll come back and give it to me again to review like on day, you know, 12 or or 15 or something. And then after that, it would be like, you know, two months from now. So it kind of spaces it out more and more. And then if it's something that comes back that you've forgotten, it'll kind of kick it back to the beginning. Um, so you'll see it more often. So, it's, so the idea is that the things that you know well, you don't review very often. The things that you do know or that you don't know, you review more often. Uh, so that's that's how we do our mm-hmm. review process, um, and we kind of let Anki do all the hard work of scheduling the reviewing. <laughs> cool. And, and uh, is
0: this uh, software uh, on Windows and Mac or? It is. How, yeah. how would somebody get it? Yeah, it's just a free. Just Google, it.
1: just Google Anki. I think the website is anki.srs.net. Um, so a n k i s r s dot net, um and yeah, the, one of the one of the really, I've sort of become like a a kind of amateur Anki salesman because I, I talk about a lot. <laughs> we use it a lot. But basically, it's it's free for computers, you know, Mac PC. But you can also get an app on your phone. Unfortunately, for iPhone, it's like twenty five dollars, um, which is steep um, for an app. But you know, we we use it so much that it was kind of an easy. It's, it's worth it. well worth mm. it. Yeah. So to be able to do it on a computer, see it on any device that you've got, um, it's it's great to be able to just carry your notes with you wherever you go. Yeah,
2: and the other thing is, um, because it's in this flashcard format, it does force you to be more active learn a uh, more active learner. You know, mm. you see the question, mm. you don't just like we don't just you know click to see the answer. You kind of slows right. you down, makes you think about it. You know, which that's is an just important part of the general... process too.
1: We don't just reread notes, right? You're kind of always quizzing yourself rather than just. Just rereading things, kind of passively.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a great. I use uh, Quizlet. Have you guys ever
1: tried using? Yeah, Quizlet? it's similar. Yeah, yeah. I, I have not okay. used Quizlet personally, but I, I, it's, I assume it's the same thing. Yeah, similar, from what I've, yeah, what yeah. I've yeah. seen. It, it doesn't uh, automatically
0: tell you like when to review information again, but. Um, it does have like a star app option so what i do is like if i'm having a tough time with one particular card mm-hmm. i'll just start it myself so i have to like manually put a star right and right. then uh, and then after i'm done with a set so let's say half of them um i was kind of uneasy about i can just press the stars and then all the ones that i start boom pop up and all the ones that i've already kind of i'm more familiar with um go off to the side right. So okay it's 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 very similar. I mean, it's like, yeah. when, you know,
2: um, I used to make index cards all the time for school, right? But now it's better. It's yeah. just like all on my phone, and I never lose it. And,
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you're saving trees, right? Exactly. Right. That's <laughs> the most you're important cut, part. You're not cutting the, right. um, cool. Um, now, listen, I could keep talking to you guys for for hours yeah. about this, and I know many students out there have also a lot of questions, um, and you have some more examples here, but... Um. Actually, I, I probably won't get into those right now mm-hmm. unless you guys really want to. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but <laughs> to wrap, I think you know the examples that we gave. That was that was really good, strong examples on how to really apply this to school to your, to their studies. Um, and just wrapping up, uh, what are some like major tips outside of you know the memory techniques are powerful. They're great, right? When when to use them? Um, they're they're very helpful. But that's not all that it takes for you to become a successful student, Um, or successful in anything in particular, but specifically right now for school, you need other things such as the right mindset, such as having other motivational factors to really push you through school because there's gonna be ups and downs and um, it's not always just about studying, it's about other factors that come into play when you're in school. So what are some tips um, that you would give to right now, say even first year college students, that maybe just finished their first semester or going into their first semester. What would you give? What, what advice would you give to those types of students to kind of help them out throughout the college and university experience?
2: My big one, and I always say this, is use the Pomodoro technique, and you've probably you stole heard of this. Mine. One. Oh, okay. So
1: we're both big on this. Yeah. We're both big on this. Um, I'm pretty sure I taught her how to do this, just, just to clear the air. <laughs> okay, all right. Side note. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most I invented way. this. I, <laughs> I didn't invent it, but I, I brought it. To her yeah,
2: you brought it into this family, and now it's a big deal in our family. Um, so the basic idea is that you want to work for a concentrated period of time, but then allow yourself um, a dedicated break so that your mind can rest, your eyes can rest. And so what we do is 25 minutes on. And during that time, you don't check your email. You don't look at your phone. You don't fidget with your music. You don't do anything. And it's short enough that you can tell yourself, my gosh, I can do anything for 25 minutes. I can have self-discipline for 25 minutes. Then you take five minutes off and you rest. You get up, drink water, go to the bathroom and then you do that. And then every four cycles, you can have a 15 minute break. And since starting it and you can you know, it's probably the same for you. You really realize how much time 25 minutes is and how much you can really get done. If I'm not looking at my phone, you know, checking Facebook.
1: Yeah. Another thing I'll do is I like to just keep track of the number that I've done, number of Pomodoros that I've done. So every time I finish one, I'll go over to our fridge and I have this little paper where I'll just put a little tally mark. Um, and that way I can keep track. like, like, you know, at the end of the day, if I've done like, you know, 16 Pomodoros, that was a a good day. You know, I can, I can kind of motivate myself that way to, to get enough done. So that if I do, you know, maybe only like seven, I'm like, okay, well, you know, didn't get that much done today. Um, and sort of motivate myself that way. Yeah. Uh, another nice thing I like about it is, you know, it can be a little daunting, Like, you know, if you just say, okay, I'm going to spend today studying for like 10 hours. Like she said, there, there's obviously no way you can just study 10 hours straight and be a sane person <laughs> afterwards. Like so it's nice to have these little breaks in there. Um, Built-in, you know, you can last 25 minutes and then just take that break and then during that break You can also like I I like to just like get out a book and like read or like watch a YouTube video or something And, and that way Like I have these kind of set periods of time where I can give myself some sort of reward and you know By the end of 10 hours, even if I'm studying for 10 hours I feel I felt like I got this sort of, you know Little dopamine hits throughout that time to keep me going to feel like by the end of that time I wasn't just like, you know, boring myself out of my mind or anything like that um so, so yeah, we, we, we like that method.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and then I guess, you know, if I, if I'll say something else, uh, you know, a thing that I like to do uh, in terms of productivity or whatever, uh, I think one good thing is for, for students is to try to come up, you know, get a pretty consistent daily routine. And so a big part of that, for instance, would be waking up at the same time every day. Um, so if you kind of do that and, and you, and you wake up at the same time every day and you know that you you kind of are supposed to finish breakfast by point X and this thing by point Y, then you, you can get into a routine that, cuts down on the amount of kind of wasted transition time that you that you have throughout the day, and I think that tends to make people more productive.
2: So this is what I mean about him being really disciplined, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So gotta stick to that schedule, because yeah, I mean, even like, let's say we, we're using the Pomodoro method and you're taking the breaks. You schedule five minutes, and sometimes you're just like, we'll get another five minutes. Oh wait, another 10 right, minutes, another, right. you know, whatever. So, you wanna you're you're off track now and then you're, uh, you know, a few hours deep into your break that should have spent you know, right. taking five minutes. So um like you said you know set a schedule and and force yourself to you know keep that schedule and it does become easier the more that you do it, it becomes a habit Definitely. after a while right where you do it several times and at first you're gonna have to force yourself to go through it but then afterwards it's just like all right I guess I'm, it's a habit now it's like brushing your teeth at that point right yeah it's more of a unconscious activity yeah um cool so now um. When it comes down to preparing for, say, an actual exam, mm-hmm. like finals, midterms, whatnot, was it did you change up strategies or was it something else that you added to your actual study habits when you were getting ready to do something like that, like doing your midterms or exams or final exams?
2: Um I think one thing that we like to do is to incorporate questions into our Right, practice tests, practice tests. You know, um, even getting with a friend and just quizzing each other because that forces you out of the memory palace and into this kind of problem-solving mode. So I, I, think that's pretty easy to understand. Yeah,
1: it? I mean the way so the way Anki works is that you know when you wake up every day, Anki will have like a a set of cards saying you're supposed to review these cards today. So ideally, what we try to do, you know, every day is in the morning we just we get those review cards done, um, and that and that's pretty much consistent throughout our schedule. So whether or not we're taking an exam, whether or not we're on a break, whatever. Um, and then on top of that, like, like I said, we, we like to do a lot of practice questions, because that's obviously a, a hugely important step that is, is slightly different from just kind of the brute recall of Anki um, that gets you kind of thinking a little bit more abstractly. And, and it's uh, ta- very important, obviously.
2: If you're talking with somebody else, you kind of learn from the other person, right? So right. that's really helpful.
0: That's good. So practice with other people, um, you know, quiz each other, Qu- quizzing yourself ahead of, or before those exams. Yeah. Uh- come in handy. Um, all right, cool. So, I mean, again, I can keep asking you these questions. I appreciate you guys' Appreciate you guys' time. Just to wrap up here, how can people find out about uh, what you guys do as far as like, you know, your services, coaching other people, because you work a lot with other individuals. You were just in Washington. Um, you, you were at John Hopkins doing a presentation, right? You were teaching other people how to take these techniques and apply it to their life. So how can people reach you if they want to learn more about what you guys do and what you guys offer?
1: Yeah, so uh, our main, you know, presence is is mullenmemory.com so m u our last name m u l l e n memory.com um and you know if you go on there there's all kinds of you know our, our sort of tagline is you know free resources exploring memory techniques as learning tools so you know everything on there is is free there's videos there's tips um and and you can just kind of look around there and see what we've got you know we have we haven't put like a ton of stuff on, you know, as, quite as much information as we want to put on there, but there's still a lot of good stuff that I think people will will enjoy and find useful. Um, and we've also got a couple of different, you know, social media things: Facebook page, Twitter. Um, if you want to just follow those or, or subscribe with your email through the website, to, we'll put uh, new
2: information out
1: to on keep you. up yeah. with with what's you know new things that we post and whatnot. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, cool. Yeah, hope to. See, I mean, I love your guys' videos; they're very informative, uh, very <laughs> educational. So keep making them. Thank keep you, awesome Louis. Them. I'm, I'm subscribed, so uh, <laughs> make sure everybody else, you guys are subscribed to, to their channels and, and everything else that they have going on. So I'll post all the links to that down below or somewhere here so you guys can check that out. Uh, make sure to follow them. And in closing, what are just you know some of the goals that you guys want um, in the next year or two uh, for yourselves uh, in any field, really, career-wise or education-wise? Um, uh, what are your goals in the next you know one or two years?
2: Well, we hope to graduate. That's the big one. So, you know, in June, we're going to, and I hope we both Well, for me at least, but my goal for the both of us is I hope that we're able to find a career that's meaningful for us and pick the specialty. That's a good match for us and will allow us to be excited and happy about what we do.
1: Yeah. I mean, so obviously we're kind of excited about a lot of this memory technique stuff that we do, and that's, you know, hopefully going to be a big part of our future, but also, you know, the, the big thing really for me and like Kathy just said, for the next four four to five years or so, is is kind of getting into that hospital more, which is something we haven't really done, and and figuring out what specific things we like and and what specialty we want we want to do, and and so that's obviously going to be a big part yeah. of the future. Medi- I mean, the med- future. you know, we
2: love memory, right? But medicine is also <laughs> yeah. a big interest of ours. <laughs> that's your passion, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and there are some pretty interesting ways that medicine and memory can overlap, which you know hopefully we can we can start to explore a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. That's awesome. I love it. All right. Um, thank you. How long was this? This is like a few hour, <laughs> over an hour. Um, cool. Uh, I appreciate you guys the time. Remember, uh, you guys can always check them out. Links down below. Molymemory.com. Thank you guys so much for watching, and I'll see you on the next interview. Peace out. We out.